PJ, you literally had. <laughs> you literally had 23 hours. You can't. 59 minutes and 59 seconds to clear your throat. You can't tell when I'm about to clear my throat. And you You're wait, the one that put the mic up. And you wait <laughs> until as soon as I turn the microphones on to hit us with a. Uh. Listen, we can't it's, teach Ben. Ben, it is locked in. It's like as soon as he gets three words into a statement, there's going to be a. Uh. It's just it, it, it is what it is. You just need it, okay? I I can't just start talking. All right, my voice, my throat is odd. Like if I just start talking, just bad noises will come out. Like all the bad noises that no, that no one wants to hear. So like I have to clear like every show, every commercial break. If if there was like you should know like I'm gonna clear my throat. That's like, fine. It's gonna happen. Do it during the commercial break. I during the intro, I should say, and and I just you know I don't get why you don't know when I'm gonna clear my throat. Like that's on you, man. I don't get why you don't know that when the intro music's playing, maybe you shouldn't be clearing your throat. It's just, it's not even like something you think about, right? It just happens now. Like it just you just well, do maybe it. Maybe let's not do that. Okay, I will try. It's like and, a quarterback's coach teaching the quarterback not to flip the ball when he's dropping back. Like you don't yeah, want to do that. That's fine. High I'll and just, tight. You know, I've been doing this for how, like nine. Okay. Nine and a now half. You're about to resume. Maybe. Nine and a half, ten years. No, it's not even that. I will try and change that habit and ritual and just subconscious nature. I'll try and change it in a matter of a couple minutes. So. I think you should. I'll try. Sure. Maybe we can do some vocal exercises during the <clears throat> break. Oh, my God. <laughs> that was too obvious. Nobody wants to hear this. I should have waited. I was a little bit too obvious. You want to talk some college football, or we want to keep talking about your phlegm? I would love to talk college football. Again, a lot like yesterday, you did this. You decided to start the show this way. No, you decided You could have just let it go. The, literally the first sound of our show today was you clearing your throat. <laughs> the thing is, I don't even know if anyone other than us heard that because the music was still playing. Like, I'm sure if people are driving around in their cars, like, they have other noises around that had, had masked what that was. But, like, since... Have <laughs> you heard PJ clear his throat? 912-342-7184. We want to hear from you. What was your experience like? Are you experiencing any stress from it? Did it cause you... Uh, did you, did it caught? Well, okay. You have one supporter, PJ Moose supports you. Thank goodness, man. I wouldn't expect anything different than from someone named Moose. There we go. A lot. Moose makes What a, is that moose, supposed to mean? A moose Don't makes come a at Moose like that. Come on now. Uh, you kind of sounded like a moose when you were clearing your throat. It was very subtle and quiet that uh, I did not sound like a moose and moose. There's nothing wrong with how you sound. Don't listen to him. Thank you. By the way. All right. Well, Moose, PJ, can I? Can we talk some college football now? I'd love to. Can All you right. stop talking about the way I clear my throat? I would rather never talk about it again because that Same. would mean that would mean you've gotten rid of that bad habit. I don't know if it would. I think it's just something like we draw on the whiteboard and say, let's not talk about this anymore. Oh, oh no. Oh, let's go. Come on. All right, we got a phone call, but before that, that comes up, let's talk let's start talking some college football. <laughs> uh some good news for the University of Georgia. Now, we've talked about them losing a ton of players on the defensive side of the ball, right? This past year, Georgia's offense, really good. About 33, 34 points a game. Good enough with that defense to win every game by double digits. And, I mean, what was it, like a 17 points at least? 
Like, yeah. like that teams just weren't able to stay within. So Georgia's defense last year was dominant, but you're losing so many people that you have to think you're not going to be holding people to 6.9 points per game in the regular season again, right? So you're going to have to, you're going to get into some games where there's 20, 30 points on the board where you have to score that much. So looking at the offense, probably going to be Stetson back there slinging the rock around at, the, at least at the beginning. And there's a lot of Georgia fans out there, even after he wins a national championship, that are like, is it Brock time? It's maybe, got it's gotta be, right? Maybe Gunner time. Like, no, it's it's gonna be Stetson back there when they play Oregon. You can't even call it like a what have you done for me lately with, with those fans because it's like he won you a national championship. Yeah, That's he, what he did for he you lately. Basically <laughs> threw for what, five hundred and seventy seven anyway. yards and six touchdowns? Somewhere around there. He had three against Michigan and three against Alabama? Yeah. It's ridiculous. Or is it two against Alabama? Anyway, Either I'm not, way. Sorry. Maybe I, like five I just, and 577. I don't know. Because that's what like everyone always says. Like, oh, it's a what have you done for me lately league. Like, no, he literally won the national championship. No. Anyway. But I think the question mark, and I, I think it's a legitimate question that I've had is, running backs are going to be good. Kenny McIntosh, Kendall Milton, uh, Dejon Edwards, they're going to be really good. you got some uh, running backs coming in as well that should be really good. The Branson Robinson kid like looks like uh, Nick Chubb, kind of like body type, right? And so you have a ton of running backs coming in. Offensive line, I think, is going to be really good next year, even though now the big news is who's going to replace Matt Luke, which there's a lot of interesting names floating around. We're going to talk about that a little bit later. But still, you got to think, with the plethora of five stars Georgia has on that line of scrimmage, offensive line should be really good. Wide receiver and like pass catchers, I think, is the question mark, right? Because you may have like the best like Madden rating player in college football next year in Brock Bowers. Like If you just, like, just straight up did power rankings. Like, how good is he? Brock Bowers is a 98-99 tight end. Mm -hmm. Like, maybe Jackson Smith and Jigba yeah. is the higher-rated player. And then, I don't know, who's a better, like, is Caleb Williams a better quarterback than Brock Bowers as a tight end? Mm. I don't know. Right. I, probably not. Probably not. So you have him, but, like, who who's going to be that wide receiver? Because you lose your top two uh, from the beginning of last year, right? George Pickens enters the draft, and then Jermaine Burton transfers to Alabama. So if there's, like, one weakness on this offense— It'd be the probably the pass catchers, even with Brock Bowers. Well, there's some good news from Anthony Dasher, and he wrote. <clears throat> excuse me, I just did a PJ. There we go. See, so we'll see. see that, you curse me. No, that, no, like, that doesn't have me. to happen. Like this doesn't have to be a thing. It that, is a thing. Every time someone to needs to clear the throat, start a like fine it system. happens. We're gonna start a fine system. A dollar for every throat clearing. Listen to your no no no. Like, go listen to your favorite sports talk, whatever commentary person that you listen to who talks for hours on end. And guess what? They're gonna need to clear their throat sometimes. Buck like Lou it just never happens. clears his throat because he does it. Mm. Anyway, Georgia getting some much needed help, I believe, in the wide receiver ranks. But from a name, maybe not a lot of people were expecting. How about this? Eric Gilbert back with Georgia. Practicing. And practice is a very loose term. This is the time of the year where they're at 7 a.m. running in the stadium. Yeah. But Eric Gilbert is back with the football team. And this is from Anthony Dasher. He says, to Kirby Smart's credit, he stuck with the Marietta native who rejoined the program back in January. Georgia lists Gilbert as a wide receiver, although we understand he's going to need to get his weight down lower than what it is. This spring will be huge from that standpoint of getting back in shape. He'll need to do or need to be this fall. If he can, Gilbert can help make up for the losses of Burton and I would say Pickens too, and give Todd Munkin potentially another huge offensive piece. Yeah. So I think it's if massive. You, I think if you say it out loud, potentially when you come out against Oregon, it could be I don't know who Marcus Roseby, Jack Saint, 
uh, on one side, maybe Dominic Blaylock, A.D. Mitchell, and then Eric Gilbert, and then one of the two tight ends, Brock Bowers or Darnell Washington, or you're going to get real nasty with it, Darnell Washington and Brock Bowers and Eric Gilbert, and then a wide <laughs> yeah. receiver. Just massive. Like, but, I mean, think about matchups. Good luck. Wait, what what are, what are you doing? Yeah. No, if, if you have those three guys all on the field no, at the same time. That's an honest question is what are yeah. you doing? Because, like, a lot of – like, you'll, you'll hear coaches a lot of times calling out, like, numbers, right? Like 13, 11, 10, just telling you what the personnel packages are. And from those packages, you have designated defensive units that you send out to deal with those packages. And so, typically, when you hear three tight ends, you're going, all right, this is like a goal line situation. We're probably yeah. either going base or maybe even put an extra linebacker or a defensive lineman out there, maybe a bare front, maybe a 5-2. Who knows what you want to do in that situation. But there's a legitimate case to may- be made that when Georgia puts three tight ends out there, you should go to your nickel package. <laughs> yeah. Or your dime. Right. And and then even at that point, like our, our corners – with the dime package of the quarter, like with our corners big enough to be able to successfully cover them, then you have a situation where you're like, who's actually on the tight ends? Do we put a safety on them or, to, for a little or, bit more size or a linebacker? But then they're going to get outran. Like, or to me, it's a lot simpler than that. Is you just go, okay, they put their dime or nickel package out here, and we have three tight ends on the field. I'm turning around and handing the football off. Yeah. Period. Let's just move them. Yeah. yeah. And like that's exactly what happened in Michigan. Yeah. Significant problem for for any other team um and that the thing yeah like matchups wise that's that's going to be insane but also like the thing that that i heard in there too is it got to get his conditioning down everything like that Let, let's be real let's not no one look at that and and be concerned right sure. because at the end of the day these dudes are just physical specimens like it even if you take the best guy in whatever gym you go to if they walk into mm-hmm. a football practice or a football facility and say, all right, I want to play some football with you guys, the first thing they're going to say, if not, just get out. The first thing that they're going to say is, all right, we need to slim you down a little bit and get you yeah. in the condition because, uh, you know, yeah, game, we need to condition you a little bit. Game shape is so much different. It's insane, yeah, right? And yeah, and like, like, all those dudes are mutants. Like, Eric right. Gilbert is a mutant, but it's just, it's a little bit different, just the practice and game shape. But that's what they're doing right now. And Kirby Smart kind of made a reference to this time of year uh, in his national championship speech uh, in Sanford Stadium, where he was like, this started back in February mm-hmm. at 7 a.m. running stadium steps. And so Georgia actually tweeted out uh, some pictures from Sanford Stadium, dark, kind of cloudy, misty, 6, 7 a.m., those dudes out there getting after it. So uh, it's interesting. This this Georgia offense, I think, next year, especially with some continuity, Stetson Bennett said this uh, at the parade in Blackshear, is he's kind of like looking forward to actually having an offseason where he's the guy with his wide receiver. I can imagine. Because you really didn't have that last year. He was a third-train quarterback. Yeah. Th- and think of, like, exactly, you think of his process and, and where he's come from. It's been a whole lot of, all right, you're the guy that prepares the guy for his time to shine, right? Yeah, and and now that, instead, yeah. yeah. And now instead, it's not. These, these are my guys. This is my unit. Let's go out there and, and get it done again. Let, let's, let's defend this national championship. So, yeah, it's got to be an incredible feeling. And one that... He's felt before, like I'm with those Pierce County teams. It, he was that dude, like he for all three or four years that that he played there. So, I mean, this is something that he's been able to do before, but now you get to do it, obviously, for the University of Georgia. That's a that's a totally different feeling, and I'm sure something that he certainly can't wait for. But uh, also, like people, I think it's almost overused, and and people think it's cliche because they hear it so much. But you hear it so much because it's so true. 
the February, like starting, this is a full year thing. It all started back in February when we started doing this. That's, they say it because it's true, man. Like, it's exactly what Nick Saban was talking about. Um, and, and people say, was he just saying this to get a message across? Who knows? It's exactly what Nick Saban was talking about a few weeks ago when he was mentioning those guys who didn't take those moments seriously enough, especially throughout the season, yeah. because they were just worried about their playing time and worried about, well, I mean, I'm not playing enough, so I don't have to pay attention. Well, guess what? National championship, you're in. Are you ready to go? Uh, you start that process in, in February. There's still some interesting pieces that have to fall for Georgia. Again, still looking for an offensive line coach, and there's been some interesting names that have been thrown around there. But also at the same time, JT Daniels is still in the transfer portal. He's actually still at Georgia finishing up some classes to graduate. But we don't know where he's heading. It's getting kind of late in the process there. Yeah. Uh, and a lot of people have pointed at Darnell Washington saying, like, could he be the odd man out? I think that's an interesting question. But I think Darnell Washington, and I don't want to speak for him, but I have to imagine most players of his stature, like literally and figuratively, yeah, uh, right. the goal is make it to the NFL, mm-hmm. right? But when you look at Georgia, they put all kinds of tight ends into the NFL, right? Yeah. And it's usually not the guy who's out there making these splashy plays. Georgia has, I'd say, four tight ends in the league right now that you probably wouldn't be able to pick them out of the lineup. Yeah. Right? Like Isaac Nata was supposed to be the big-time tight end, the pass catcher, the flashy guy. But what the NFL looks for with Kyle Shanahan and those kind of offenses is the, the Lee Smiths kind of tight ends, right, where it's just – I, you can be an inline blocker. You can be that fifth or sixth, or no, excuse me, that sixth offensive lineman on there and then kind of come out to the flat, make some plays that way. But we'll have our star tight end, but also we want to go too tight and block on one side, right? Darnell Washington, I kind of think, fits both those molds where if he can get 15, 20 more touches next year, which is a lot, that'd be a, that'd be a big increase. A couple more touches a game, though, when you really break it down, get that on tape. He already has the blocking tape to where I think he's a third-round pick already. Right. Just how big he is and the tape that he's put out there blocking. Yeah. Well, think about how long he's he's been a part of this offense. Yeah. Right? It's, not, it's not like this this year was the first year was that he was a big big impact you know player. Whether it be catching passes or like you said, moving people, um, and and blocking well. So like like you said, he's collected that tape, and not only this year, he's. He's been a part of this system and and part of Georgia's success for for a few years now. So, uh, no, as you said, especially for for like a tight end, not to I don't know if there's any tight end, not to offend Ben Troop or anything like that, but like I don't think one year where you have a lot of tight end talent around you and maybe you're not the guy is going to kill your draft status. By yeah, new, right, of, I, Georgia has <laughs> three tight ends on active rosters in the NFL right now. Eli Wolf, yeah, again. He's a pass catcher, but first, you come to Georgia, you get that blocking tape out there. He's still in the league. Trey McKitty, kind of same thing. He transfers in one year. Get that tape out there where I show you I can block. He's still in the league. And then Charlie Warner. Yeah. Again, play with Isaac Nata. Isaac Nata was supposed to be the top 60 pick right. kind of a guy, right? Charlie Warner, because he can do his job, he's still playing in the league with San Francisco. Right. So I think Darnell Washington can kind of be the best of both worlds on that, where dude looks like LeBron James, but he can also block like a tackle. And the NFL is interesting too, right? Where it's like uh, everyone has their systems and the teams have their identities and, and well, the good teams have their identities and know exactly what they're going to do, exactly what they're looking for. So 
do you have room on your roster very much for, for a guy that can do it all, for a u- utility type of player that yeah, can do be, a little bit of everything? Yeah. For sure. But then you also have other spots for those guys that's like, all right, like you said, we're going in, we need a blocking tight end out of this draft, and we're going to get it. Or at least out of free agency, and, and that's what we're going to get. And that's the only thing they're looking for. Oh, that guy can catch passes really well? Well, it's fine. Uh, we already have Kittle. So we, we don't really need that. We don't need another one of Kittle. Let's get a really good block, blocking but, tight end. So I, like, But see, like, I feel like, and I don't, I'm, I'm not trying to undersell Darnell Washington because like, I don't want to sell him off as like, Charlie Warner was a good like, pass-catching tight end, but the reason he's in the league right now is because of his blocking. I'm right, saying right, yeah. Darnell Washington is a better blocker than Charlie Warner ever was, and he's freaky athletic. For sure. Like, he caught, I think it was against Florida. Yeah, against Florida, he kind of caught that. They call it the old fall-down route, but he more just kind of blocked and then leaked out to the left side, and Stetson hit him on the throwback. When he gets into stride, he is filthy fast. Mm-hmm. He's got really good hands for someone that size. He can be an elite-level tight end in the NFL, but a lot of people are saying because you already have Brock Bowers and Eric Gilbert's coming back, and they just got Oscar Delp, uh, and he's coming in, who's another four- or five-star tight end as a true freshman, right? Is Darnell Washington maybe thinking, I got one year, let me just transfer somewhere, somewhere get my tape out, and move – I'm saying he's already getting the tape out there for the NFL to be a first, second round draft pick. And I think that's what Kirby Smart's selling him on is, are you getting 10 touches a game? No. But what you have to be careful of is you could transfer somewhere and do you get 10 targets a game? Yeah, but are you getting the same kind of tape that you're getting in this Todd Monken offense? True. I don't know. It's interesting. If I had to put my money on it, Darnell Washington staying. And that's been interesting because there's been so much reporting and so much buzz around all these other guys who could potentially be transferring. Darnell Washington's camp's been super quiet. So if I had to imagine, I think he's pretty happy. Probably one more year with Georgia, then head to the draft and have a heck of an NFL career. Yeah. It's going to be interesting to see. we got more college football co- talk coming your way. Three and out uh, coming up a little bit later. B.J. Bennett, Ben Troop, and Kevin Thomas as well. we got more to come here on ESPN Radio after this. Second down on ESPN Radio is presented to you by the Uniform Source. Christian Gokel alongside PJ Zuko. Glad to have you all hanging out with us here on this Thursday afternoon. All right. You know I like getting philosophical with you, PJ. Yeah, absolutely. I don't even know if this is philosophical. I just think it's more, you know, we're just having a conversation uh, about the Atlanta Falcons. Oh. Yeah. So, (laughs) Michael Rothstein, who's ESPN.com's reporter for the Atlanta Falcons, said basically... Terry Fontenot has the reputation for taking the best player available, which, number one, I don't know if it's fair. Now, I'll take a shot at Michael. He does a really good job covering the Falcons. But I don't know that it's fair to say anyone has a reputation for doing something based off one draft. But if that holds true, if if Terry Fontenot and the Atlanta Falcons draft the best available player, right, that could potentially be someone like a Derek Stingley Jr., depending on how you grade him out at corner, which the Falcons surely need. Uh, it could be something like an offensive lineman like Charles Cross out of Mississippi State uh, who could potentially still be there. If there's a run on quarterbacks, could you somehow, some way, have a shot at Evan Neal? Something like that, which I think is the the absolute dream scenario for the Atlanta Falcons. But to me, people always look at teams and they look at stats and they say, okay, here's what the stats say this team didn't do. And so for the Falcons, since John Abraham... <gasps> <laughs> all right, you're right. Just don't. Just are you okay? Keep going. All right. Anyway, uh, <laughs> for the Falcons, since they've had John Abraham, it's been 
<laughs> got to get a pass rusher, right? <laughs> Even with Vic Beasley and his fraudulent uh, leading the league in sack season, you haven't had a dominant edge rusher. So it's like if Kayvon Thibodeau or Aiden Hutchinson somehow fall to you, do you have to take one of those guys? I've said this probably going back two, three years, but like Falcons fans have known this since before that. I think more so than one thing, right? Like people could say, hey, you need a wide receiver. Drake London's a guy from USC that's popped up a lot for the Falcons at this eighth pick, which a lot. Like, right. Which I look at the Atlanta Falcons and I think, what what is it about them? Like, what's not working? Like their average is grits. And I think the only reason they're there, like they way overachieved last year with what they were able to do. Right. Mm-hmm. Seven and ten with that roster was unbelievable. And really yeah. the only reason you did that is because you have Matt Ryan. Right, he's able to keep you in games. When I look at the Atlanta Falcons, I'm like, what is it? Like, what's different between them and teams that go deep into the playoffs? And to me, it's one thing: they're soft up the middle. Yeah, they're soft, and it's and I'm not listen. It's all relative, right? Like anybody that's played defensive line for the Atlanta Falcons in the past 40 years could come through here and throw me through this plate glass, no problem, right? But when I'm talking about in terms of playing other NFL teams, the Falcons are a soft football team, right? It's been finesse. It's been, hey, let's get Matt Ryan back there, three steps, get it out, and then we'll hit it deep to Julio. And then defensively, it's bend but don't break, and let's Mm -hmm. hope the offense can score enough. Yeah. Right? Even when the defense started playing well, they've had some stretches where they were top 10-ish. It wasn't getting after the quarterback, and it wasn't slamming the door on the run. It was literally playing bend but don't break. Yeah. Get into the red zone and just get real, real finicky with the yards you're giving up inside the red zone, right? Maybe come away with some turnovers and whatnot. Sure. Like, yeah. And so I'm thinking, I'm like, wouldn't it be great if at eight the Falcons just said, we're going to take the guy we feel, feel like makes us a physically better football team? Whichever line of scrimmage that is. Right. Right. And you know me. I, I know I probably get annoying with talking about this. Football to me begins and ends at the line of scrimmage. And you can even go back to this past Super Bowl. The storylines coming in were Joe Burrow and Matt Stafford, but what ended the football game? Mm-hmm. Aaron Donald. Yep. Having the most dominant football player on the planet on your front into that football game. Right? Yep. What ended the Super Bowl last year? Tampa Bay so that's edge a long, rushers that's a long dominating time. two backup tackles. No, that's true. Right? Yeah, Patrick just, Mahomes scrambling for like 500 yards. Running for his life. All going backwards. Yeah. Right? Like that's what ends the last few Super Bowls. And then when you get into games... I'm just thinking about like the Falcons' like recent-ish playoff history, right? Uh, go back to like, what 2011, where you play the Giants and you only score a safety in that game. Why? Because they had Justin Tuck mm-hmm. and OC Uman Yura on that defensive line. Strahan was still on that defensive line, right? Like yeah, that. That's it was why dirty. That's why yeah. you lose that football game when you lose to the Eagles and Nick Foles in 2018, right? You don't lose because they have Nick Foles. You lose because they have Brandon Graham and Fletcher Cox. Well, no, you. No, lose. I know, I, think, I know. I'm just well, kidding. I'm no, just what kidding. What was the score of that game? Like. It wasn't great. Yeah, it, it was like, like 18, 16 or something yeah, like that. Yeah, it was an odd game. stupid. Mm-hmm. Yeah, like it's just you don't lose those games because your quarterbacks or your wide receivers or your corners. You lose that because you get dominated yeah. on the line of scrimmage. And and if I remember right, like I loved the way Philadelphia built their defensive line in those years because yeah. if you looked, it was like the SEC's best or second best sure. defensive lineman of the year prior. Right, so uh, like, where's Br- where's Brandon Graham out of? I know Fletcher Cox is Mississippi State. Derek Barnett's Tennessee. Tennessee, yeah. Um, Graham Graham was a while back, so he might not be SEC, yeah. but he's been there for but to your forever. Point, yeah, yeah, they just went and got the nastiest defensive lineman they could out of the nastiest conference. Yeah, and it worked. Yeah, exactly. And so, like, wouldn't it be great if the Atlanta Falcons could go out and just somehow 
find a way just to get physically tougher right on the line of scrimmage. And I, I think eight is a little early in the draft for Jordan Davis for me because I'm not completely sold on the fact that he steps in and immediately becomes a three-down defensive lineman. Mm-hmm. I think probably more so what you're seeing is you hope like his ceiling is Vita Vea, who can be a three-down three lineman, but reality is he's probably going to be a first and second down defensive lineman, and then you rotate him for an edge rusher on third down and third long situations, right? So I think that's a, a little bit early for me, but like I'm starting to look at offensive line because I think you could get Charles Cross out of Mississippi State, who, I don't know, 6'5", 310 pounds. Yeah, I'd say and that's just, pretty mean. Just filthy. I, I <clears throat> like, and I'm just going to absolutely butcher his name, but watching him play this past year, and he has a wonderful nickname, uh, Ecom Iquano from NC State. What I like about him is he's mean. And I know right. that sounds like, it's like, oh, dude, we're looking for tangibles. We're looking for uh, how fast is his first step, what are his hands look like, uh, uh, can he get back. Uh, in his drop, and, and is he moving guys around the quarterback? Can he can he down block? Like, can he get to the next level? I know you're looking at all that stuff. I also look at guys who are just like, I'm going to physically dominate you, and I'm mean. And he's also 6'4", 320 pounds. Yeah. Right? And he's just mean. Right. And it's like, to me, like, if you can get somebody like that on the line of scrimmage for the Falcons, when was the last time the Falcons had somebody on the line of scrimmage? And I love Grady Jarrett, but there's just like, you're like, you're you're watching your team play them, and you're like, damn, that guy's nasty. Right. It's you're talking about those guys that, that are on the team. Like I know you guys hate Dominican Sue, but no one likes playing him. That's the thing, is I get it. Like like it's not that I completely disagree and despise everything he is. Like I get his impact and and I get the style of player that you're talking about when you talk about him. I just think him specifically and a guy like like a Vontez Perfect like they take that extra step that doesn't we need don't to be to get there. This conversation again. Right. For what sure. I'm saying is, no, you, you want, want match, that I want for the fire Falcons. Fire. So when I'm playing the Absolutely. Tampa Bay Buccaneers and, and Dominican Sue's there, I'm not getting the nice guy who weighs 300 pounds no. blocking Dominican Sue. I'm getting the guy who wants to go MF for MF with Dominican Sue. Because well, let's be real, this is the NFL, and in the NFL, like like as you've been talking about, the best teams consistently, the best programs, organizations consistently are the ones that when you go to play them, especially on the offensive or defensive line, you have those guys, most likely multiple, but if the Falcons could just get one, that's yes. a good starting thought. They strike fear in into the opponent. But like, even like, look at Tom Brady. Like If you want to say, like, oh, well, Tom Brady in his career, it's like, I mean, look at the defensive lineman that he played with. I don't know, Richard Seymour, yeah. who's about to be a Hall of Famer. Right. I know he's not a defensive lineman, but during like his peak, Dante Hightower... Was about as good as it got at like a will outside linebacker rushing the passer and then playing and sliding inside to the middle, like just physically different. People might chuckle because of of his size or whatever, but like with what he was supposed to do and what he did, Vince Wilfork. Oh my god, that guy was a monster. Yeah, and he's the core, uh, especially those defensive units. He was the core of mm-hmm. that team. Let everyone else do their job because he was soaking up three blocks. Every time. Yeah, and Brewski and Vrabel and just like just nasty defensive lines, right? That could just swallow you up, right? And so I'm just I'm sitting here and I'm thinking, I'm like the the pipe dream right now for a lot of people is like if like quarterbacks and offensive linemen like start to make a run at eight, could the Falcons like somehow luck into a cave on Thibodeau? That'd be incredible. See, you say that Uh, and uh, here's all I think when I hear that is Kayvon Thibodeau is really good. Right? He is an excellent edge rusher. But okay, let's line it up for this year. I know you you can't look at it this way, but it's just it's 
it's just a problem that has been consistent with the Atlanta Falcons is you draft Kayvon Thibodeau. What's to stop him from being the next Vic Beasley? Because what happened to Vic Beasley? He was 260, 270 pounds. He's 6'4", 6'5". He's athletic as hell, freaky, right? What happens is they start getting swallowed up by tackles, and you can't stunt, and you can't do this different creative stuff because your interior defensive line isn't good enough, and so they can start shading that way and just swallowing that guy up. And so what do you do from there, right? Right now, if they try to slide to the outside against Kansas City, Chris Jones is just going to massacre you from the inside. Right. Right? So it's just like, I get Kayvon Thibodeau. So you'd rather, you're saying you'd rather go OL than yeah, yeah. I get Kayvon Thibodeau. But it, it has to be relative, right? Like if the top three offensive linemen that you would want are off the board and Thibodeau sitting there, okay, take Thibodeau. I right. get it. But if something falls where it's, like a Charles Cross is there or a Quanu is there or it's Kayvon Thibodeau, I think the Falcons have to think about it. Yeah. I think that, they have to think about totally it. Totally understand. I think Matt Ryan was like the third most hit quarterback in the league last year. Right. Yeah. I, was like, I think you got to think about it. For sure. Because, like, again, what is it going to fix? Like, next year you'd have, yeah, okay, great. You lose Dante Fowler this year. Say you replace him with Kayvon Thibodeau. What's the rest of your defensive line looking like? Tyler yeah. Tyler Davidson, uh, Grady Jarrett, and Kaminsky? Yeah. I mean, like you said, you can still throw all your focus on Thibodeau at that point, and yeah. and the the offense is be going to be able to get by. Um, then again, like I, I will say the same thing for the offensive lineman. Like the the Falcons have drafted offensive linemen in 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 the past that haven't worked out for whatever reason. You have all the size, <sighs> you have all the quote unquote tangibles, and, and then well, it just doesn't that, work. Caleb McGarry's turned into, but a, I like I agree with you. Yeah. That's that's Caleb McGarry's turned into a pretty good NFL offensive lineman. It was the the second. Pick where you draft you traded yeah. back up into the first round that hasn't really to get another offensive lineman yeah, for worked no out reason. for you and like a reach on a guy by like almost two rounds based off of the projections for everyone else that hasn't really worked out for you. Yeah. But again, we really don't know yet. We don't have a draft profile yet, I guess, on Terry Fontenot. Again, he went out last time and took the best available player in Kyle Pitts. Mm-hmm. Maybe not. I mean, where did Michael Parsons go? When was he picked? Yeah, uh, he was a little lower. I think he was tenth uh, or eleventh. Jamar Chase. But, I think we were talking about this the other day. Right. It's like if you could go back and repick for the Falcons, do you take Jamar Chase or K- or uh, Micah Parsons over Kyle Pitts? Micah Parsons would be nasty, but then again, like Micah Parsons can do what he can do. Like his ability, believe me, yeah, I'm then, a Penn State fan. His, yeah. his ability is through the roof, out of this world. But there are other. Like as much as people make fun of the Cowboys, you look at that defensive oh, roster. Strong, <laughs> yeah. strong. Like he can do what he, he does because of all the people around him. Um, it was so I would be worried about the same thing we're talking about with Thibodeau. Like would he just get swallowed up? Well, yeah, and it's just like just and it's like, because Der- there's not a lot of people around him in Atlanta. So. It's like Derrick Stingley Jr. Right? AJ Terrell's really good. You can pair him up with Derrick Stingley Jr. All of a sudden, you have a really good cornerback set. That's great. But if a quarterback has five seconds to throw, I don't care how good your corners are. Yep. Right and. I, I will say this also. People have fallen in love with A.J. Terrell, and he's he's a very good NFL corner. I don't know that he's any better than Desmond Trufant was, and I think you've fallen in love with him because of these PFF metrics. Why would you throw at A.J. Terrell when you could literally throw at anybody else who plays for the Falcons in the mm-hmm. secondary? Right, That, to me, is more so than anything why his numbers are so good is because, okay, like that's a... Semi-good, competent NFL player the Falcons have over there, and then they have the rest of their secondary. Why would I not just throw at that? Yeah, I'm gonna look over here now instead. Yeah. So like, like tier list or or whatever wise, A, B, C. If if Stingley's available, and if like Thibodeau's available, but also an offensive lineman that you've mentioned, 
is is available as well. What would you rather see based on those three three things? If I'm being like a thousand percent honest, I would go offensive lineman, Thibodeau, corner. Gotcha. The Stingley's a monster, but I I know what you mean. Like like you said, it all starts up front, and you talk about the the guys that have been in the Super Bowl and all the stars and all this other kind of thing, it all starts and finishes up front. And nothing more has proved that than the last like, two or I'm three looking, Super Bowls. I'm looking like down in the the 30s when you're talking about addressing potentially the de- defensive line. And like I think Devonta Wyatt out of Georgia, I think Jordan Davis could potentially be available for you early in the second round, right? There's going to be some really good players. Uh, who's the kid out of Penn State? Uh, the edge rusher, Arnold... Yeah, uh, I can't say his last name. So uh, a- Kitty or something like A-E, that. A E, yeah, yeah. <laughs> in in the Becky or something. Yeah. Uh, but no, he's a mon- he's or, uh, he's really good. Shoot, I almost cursed. Uh, Demarvin Leal, <laughs> like it was just because I thought I just thought about him. I'm like, mm. yeah, oh like, yeah, like, dude's a <laughs> right. freak. Yeah, if you get Demarvin Leal out of Texas A and M and match him up, and he's I think he's like pretty much like 40, so that match up perfect for the eighth pick mm-hmm. is he's 40th. Uh, and like around that area in most like mock draft projections and the player ratings, Marvin Lill would be a wonderful guy. If the Falcons roll out next year and it's Marlon Davidson and it's Grady Jarrett and it's DeMarvin Lill, you are feeling so much better about your defensive line than you did a calendar year ago. Yeah. Like and you get him and then you have a new offensive tackle or offensive guard. Yep. On the other side, your line of scrimmage are all, all of a sudden feeling not terrible. Yeah, you start to feel a little bit more mean, right? A, a little yeah. bit more beefy, and and that's like you said, that's what you need. Or flip that over, and who's it? Uh, Darian Kennard, the interior offensive lineman from Kentucky. If you go with like Charles Cross and you draft him, I'm, I'm you go back to back offensive lineman. Woo. Happy with that. Back to back offensive lineman. I know it, where, I know where they're supposed to be drafted. <laughs> like like people, I, I I guarantee if you ask most people, I'm not trying to say this like I'm saying I'm smarter than anybody because Lord knows that's not the case. But I think if you ask a lot of people, okay, which is a better draft? Falcons get uh, Derek Stingley Jr. at 8 and George Pickens at 40? Or they get Charles Cross at 8 and DeMarvin Lill at 40? Well, that's the thing. Which I one's a better draft? People go with the flashy. Yeah. They automatically think, oh, Stingley, that's going to help us secure our other side of the line, or our, our other side. Uh, there are cornerbacks, and then we get a nice threat for, for Matt Ryan. But, no. I mean, I'm I'm there with you. You got to... You got to get beefy. You got to get more aggressive on the offensive and defensive lines first. You got to build out, build in I and wanna, out. I want to get BJ's opinion on this very quickly. He's, you can still PJ's mic. Yeah. I want to get BJ's opinion on this because we just kind of put this out to the universe. If I say the Falcons at eight get Derek Stingley Jr. and at forty get George Pickens, is that a better draft than getting Charles Cross at eight and say Darian Kennard at forty? All right, I wasn't quite emotionally prepared for this, so you got to repeat this. Now okay. I'm listening. Yep, Derek Stingley Jr. at eight, in like one hypothetical draft, and then you get George Pickens at forty, or I tell you you can get Charles Cross at eight, and Darian Kennard or say Demarvin Leal at forty. I'll be honest, my my gut reaction is go with the trenches, go with the line of scrimmage, because like our whole point and and thesis here has been. You can talk player or position by position with the Falcons, but they're just kind of soft on both lines of scrimmage. I think you fortify where and it I, starts. And I think this is a really good line of scrimmage draft. And I would honestly, and PJ asked me to tear it out, I, if if Kayvon Thibodeau's there or an Evan Neal's there, 
I'm saying take Evan Neal. Evan Neal's not going to be there because it won. Because he's going into Jacksonville Jaguars. BJ's trying to talk it into Charles Cross or Kayvon Thibodeau for the Falcons. I think if Thibodeau is there, I I said uh, I've I've said a number of times, came in with all the expectations, lived up to it each year, has everything you want. I think this guy's a star. You've needed an edge rusher for what twenty five years. I I think Thibodeau. All right, that's fair. That's fair. It's interesting. We're just kind of going back and forth on it, but that's the that's the thesis there. We gotta take a quick break. We'll come back with more second down next. Second down on ESPN Radio is presented to you by the Uniform Source. Had a comment, uh, PJ, while we were in the break there. Just a question mark uh, from from Gene Clemens. He says, "Grady Jarrett is soft?" Question mark. Don't think I ever said that. I think I said Grady Jarrett was like the one bright spot on that defense. But one defensive tackle does not make a strong front seven. I mean, think about even what they needed to do with the. Rams with maybe the best defensive lineman ever with Aaron Donald. Who'd you have to put next to him? Vaughn Miller, maybe one of the best edge rushers of all time. So one, one. And damn, A'shaun Robinson's next to him. Mm -hmm. Who's one of the best run stoppers in football. Yeah. Right? Yep. It can't just be one guy. That's what the Falcons have been trying to get by with for the past five, six years. It's just, oh, we got Grady. Yeah. Like you, guys, you guys think we should draft a defensive tackle? No, we got Grady, man. It's fine. Yeah, it'll be all right. He's like, getting the job done. I think Marlon Davidson's still a pretty big question mark. I think he'd be a really good role player. But I still think he needs somebody next to Grady Jarrett. Yeah. Because no, there are there's some that. great videos of Grady Jarrett that you can see from this past year where he's got like three, four guys blocking him. Mm-hmm. And he's like, damn. Right. Yeah. All y'all? If I, if I could just get one guy and just destroy him, man, we, we could do some work. But, I mean, I think like like – I, I get the question. Like, I, I don't think you ever directly said that, but I mean, let's. That's kind of a microcosm of what we've been talking about, right? Is like, Grady Jarrett got swallowed up in that conversation as grouped in with those other people who, who, yeah, are are kind of soft and have been kind of soft with with the defensive unit uh, for the Falcons, just like he has been with with blocking. He's getting swallowed up, getting blocked by two or three guys because you don't have any other threats. So. I'm I'm right there with you. Uh, not not him directly being soft, but as a unit, as a defensive unit, uh, has been soft and and has been soft for a while. Like I don't want to think about where need the to Falcons. Change that up. I don't I, want, I don't want to think about where the Falcons would be without Grady Jarrett because it'd be rough. Right, dude's freaky good, and that's yeah. one of the that's one of the best picks Thomas Dimitrov ever made was going out and getting him. I think he's a fourth or fifth round pick, and so it's just getting him unbelievable pick. Devonta Freeman, I'd say, was up there too, but outside of that. Things got pretty rough. Also, quick side note here before we have to take a break. Uh, you know, Matt Ryan, if things stay the same, is going to be the biggest cap hit in the history of the NFL this coming year. I saw that this morning. Yeah. It's insanity. With the tweet. Now, does that mean Matt Ryan's going to make 48 point whatever million dollars? Nope. That is just deferred cap space yeah. over and over again. Matt Ryan is not the highest paid player in the NFL, just has the biggest cap hit. We got to take a quick break. We'll come back, wrap up, second down next. You two can say hello to Kevin. <laughs> Coming up next. What a transition. Right here on ESPN Radio. BJ Bennett, Ben Troop, and yes, Kevin Thomas. Coming up next with three and out. Got a heck of a show today coming your way. Bryce Kuhn from GoJackets.com. Going to talk Georgia Tech spring practice. And then, hey, got some USL football talk. Nick Buchanan from the Houston Gamblers, former Florida Gators Center. Uh, Going to hop on the show to talk about that experience. Uh, interesting way to draft, BJ, where you designate what position group you can draft from. Uh, in the draft. 
So yeah. you have to stay a quarterback first round. And I told the guys this yesterday. I don't know how viable your league is when the number one overall pick is Shea Patterson. Hmm. Interesting. Um, according to Jim Johnson, the next best great, uh, since we just oh, had right. him in the hey, intro Jim. there, That's right. next best great SEC and NFL quarterback, Shea Patterson. Shea Patterson. Speaking, oh, of, yeah. speaking of next and great, uh, the maybe the greatest voice of all time, Ben Ingram, voice of the Atlanta Braves, going to join the show at 420 as well. All that coming up next on 3 and Out. We'll talk to everyone tomorrow.